0: Hi there! I'm Jenna and welcome to Butterfly Banter. I'm so glad you're here. This is a show to share my journey as a woman with Turner Syndrome and a show to share stories of others that are affected by Turner Syndrome. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And now, let the banter begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Banter. So excited to have you listening today, and I'm super excited to have my guest Renee today. Renee, would you say hello to everybody?
1: Hello, everybody. How are you today?
0: (laughs) We're so excited to have you on the show today. Um, So, Renee, we're just really excited to hear all about you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and... Your journey with Turner Syndrome so far.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm actually based in San Diego, California now. Um, But you can say for most of my childhood, I lived in Arizona. And yeah, I was diagnosed in Arizona at the age of 10 with uh, TS. And um, luckily I had a mother who was a nurse and was quite absolutely 100 percent on top of things
2: you don't want to leave
1: anything to the to the chance Um, when i was diagnosed at the age of 10 it was in the mid 1980s like 87 88 Mm -hmm. and um, because of that they hadn't fully come out with the recumbent growth hormone and they were still testing it Mm -hmm. the doctor that i had in arizona wanted to put me on a double blind study and for those who don't know that means that you are tested you're you're being a guinea pig to see if the drug works or not by them giving you either the drug or a placebo yep. uh-huh. and my mom again understanding all this did not want to take a chance on me not getting the growth hormone so she was like no we're not doing that you're getting the growth hormone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> period end of story And it was quite expensive, as everybody knows, but she did put me through that. I was lucky enough um, not to really have a whole lot of other physical challenges. Um, My mom only brought me into the doctor to begin with, really, because she noticed uh, a failure to thrive, a failure to grow Mm
2: -hmm. and gain
1: weight. And... um, thought I was just not, I was a very picky eater, which I understand now is a really common thing among Turner syndrome girls. I don't know why that is, but we seem to have a bunch of picky eaters.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, she thought I was just not getting my nutrients. And then, you know, maybe I would need some V12 shots and I would shoot up. But um, it turned out to be TS. And um, she took me to where actually the original research on TS was done. In uh, Baltimore, she took me to Johns Hopkins wow. to get my um, my diagnosis fully confirmed by karyotype mm-hmm. and everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, was followed there by Dr. Leslie Plotnick, who I think has now since retired, because that was 30 years ago. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah. A wonderful woman, really, really took time to explain everything to me, all the things I um, had going on with me, the, phys- the some of the physical effects. I didn't, lucky enough, didn't have any heart problems, don't have horseshoe kidney, don't have anything that way, but I do have some uh, learning differences mm-hmm. that uh, my mom didn't even fully understand were because of TS until later on after I was diagnosed
2: had mm-hmm. uh, trouble
1: adding and subtracting math, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where um, my my issues come in the most yeah. and why I'm so very involved in education now. I feel like there's so many students out there that really could use extra help that aren't getting it because it's not necessarily diagnosed in them,
2: mm-hmm. but they
1: have learning differences. So I kind of... Advocate for for college students to get the support they need and everything, as well as working in clinical research now.
0: Okay, so are you are you a teacher, or are you involved like with with um, other avenues that help with that?
1: Well, I I actually did teach at the college level for five years at the University of Arizona. Um, I was a, a TA, a teacher's assistant, associate teacher basically teaching freshman chemistry in the chemistry labs at the University of Arizona. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: um, I'm also, I I have a 20 plus, 25 plus year career in clinical research. Oh, wow. Doing Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm a clinical research monitor now. I basically make sure that all the Principal investigators out there are doing the things that they need to do to make good research.
0: So, as your, so it sounds like your research is centered around kind of learning disabilities and and that kind of arena. Is that right?
1: That's my that's my sideline. Oh, okay. my kind of like my, as the kids would call a side hustle. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So, um, yeah, no, that's my side hustle. I. If you go and you look at my TikTok online, you'll see all sorts of educational videos about how to do well in college, how to spot different learning differences, and all that kind of good stuff on there um, to support college students. I also have a course online to help college students make the jump from high school to college. Um, but that's all on the side. My main my main line of work is working as a clinical research monitor.
0: Okay, wow. So. Um, sounds like you're very passionate with helping college students. I mean, I'm I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm a teacher, um, an elementary school teacher, so I'm used to working with the littles, with the littles, and you know, trying to catch those um, differences and um, dif- disabilities early. So it's interesting to me. What do you find is the that the college students struggle most with with that transition from high school to college?
1: are really three areas in which college students struggle immensely and it's the social adjustment because going to a college campus from being on high school uh, and having all the independence of that is a real struggle for some students plus you know making a whole new group of friends
2: mm-hmm.
1: around being around teachers that they're not experienced with all that kind of stuff comes into play. Then there's the financial. Everybody's going to struggle with finances in the U.S. in particular because of the, the issues around financial aid and, and funding for colleges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, they, they haven't even been taught how to balance their accounts. So they, yeah. they just know that money comes on a little plastic card and, and they swipe the card and it's always there. Yep,
0: yep. <laughs> I'm trying to teach my son and, and actually now I'm happy to see that in a lot more high schools. Um, They're requiring, you know, speaking of that financial aid and stuff, they're requiring more and more high schools are requiring a financial literacy class. And um, I know here in Wyoming where we're at, that's been a requirement for my son in high school. And I never had to take anything like that when I was in high school. But I sure wish I would have had to take something like that. It's been a very positive thing. So, yeah, that can definitely be really tricky. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, they, they, there are now high schools that are getting back into the basics of that, things like that, so, the life skills that you're going to need. So that's excellent to see. But for those who have missed out on that, it can be a real struggle. And then thirdly, obviously, the jump in academic uh, rigor is something that a lot of them struggle with, too. Plus, the the disconnect between them and their professors being in a classroom of over 200 students versus maybe 25, 30.
2: Mm -hmm. It can
1: be quite intimidating to try to get the personal attention that you really need from a professor at that level if you're not used to competing with other students for their attention, having to use one or two hours in the week to make a personal connection with them through their office hours.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know when I went to college, it was it was a big shock going into the bigger classes, because, of course, as a freshman, a lot of you are taking the same courses. And so, yeah, those classes can be just ginormous, (laughs) you know, be so big and so Mm -hmm. intimidating. And um, it was definitely more beneficial down the line as I got into the more specialized classes that were smaller. You know, it definitely makes a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It does. So it sounds like you haven't had um, too much of the health concerns with Turner syndrome. Um, And it's kind of been on the more academic side for you. And I, I totally agree with that. I really struggled in, in math, um, especially, especially geometry, you know, the spatial stuff Mm -hmm. was super hard for me. Um, But I one? almost
1: failed geometry myself.
0: <laughs> I <clears throat> I actually did have to end up taking it twice because I just couldn't. Uh, that's the the one and only class that I could not make it through. I made it through the second time, obviously, but um, that was mm-hmm. the only class that I ever failed at.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I don't think a lot of teachers – well, I, I had – And I was lucky and I was unlucky in a way because I had a teacher who really thought that it was just, as far as the math stuff was concerned, I just wasn't paying attention.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: if I had put a little more effort into it, that I would get it. And that just wasn't the case. So um, luckily, again, I I had somebody in my family, my mother, who was very proactive on these things and said, why are you sitting here struggling with this? Obviously that what you're doing is not working. Let's get you a tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went from getting a D at the end of one semester up to getting A's and B's in the course the next semester with the help of a tutor, fighting the high school the whole way, trying to get them to allow me to get a tutor mm-hmm. because they, they were, it, the tutor had to be on their special list and all this stuff. Yeah. So I think one of the things that a lot of kids miss out on is having that advocate in their life.
2: Yeah, You for really sure. need to
1: have an advocate for your education and for your health. I mean, for me, I didn't have a whole lot of health issues. Um, I had seven surgeries on my ears. A lot of Turner's girls have those kind of things going on with their yeah. ears. Um, I was lucky not to have any heart problems, I, but I had to keep up on echoes and things like that to make sure nothing developed. Right. Um, you know, it, you do go through a lot of poking and prodding. Oh yes, for sure. Which is sure. never the fun stuff of it. Yeah. But you have to get it done. and um, you know, in our family it was known as maintenance and upkeep.
0: <laughs> yep. And that's, I mean, it. yeah, definitely it's important and, um especially the growth hormones, um, it's it's so hard to keep going with that when you're just tired of it, <laughs> you know. Um, I was actually on a double-blind yeah. double blind study for the National Institute of Health for growth hormones, so mm. I, I still to this day, you know, you were talking about how your mom, you know, fought for you to, to know, okay, you're getting the growth hormone. I still to this day don't know if I was on growth hormone or not. But I know I was right. about, I think it was about eleven or twelve, probably, when I started my growth hormones, and it was it was hard to keep going. It was hard to keep that maintenance going, even though I knew it was what I had to do, you know. And oh man, you just get so tired of all that poking and prodding and and everything.
2: Yeah.
1: No, a- absolutely. Um, there are days when you hate to see a needle because you know what that means. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and the funnier part of it, and I, I, I used to torture my mom with this because she, she always said she was such a good, a, a good a good shot giver, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, when I first started getting my shots, she was the one who was giving them to me,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: she would get so upset with me because I would sit there and I would jump around and I would be like, it "Burns," you know. Uh-huh. If you've ever taken growth hormone, you know how it burns. Yes. It like burns, burns, burns. Uh-huh. And I'm um, like, Mom, just let me do it. <laughs> and I started giving my own shots to myself and give them slower, and they didn't burn as much that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they, it's all these little tricks and stuff that you learned. And then you also had the stigma like, if I wanted to go over to a friend's house for an overnight or something like that, did I take my growth hormone with me? Yeah. You know, my mom would have to explain to them this is the growth hormone. She'll give her own shot, but you have to keep it in the refrigerator and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing.
2: Yeah,
0: I know with some growth, there's been other butterflies that I've talked to where there are growth hormones, You you did it like six days a week. So you kind of got an off day, you know, and I don't remember, I can't remember back far, <laughs> that far back to remember if I got that like one day off where, you know, yeah, if you did happen to have a sleepover or something, you didn't have to be uncomfortable because that could be your day of the week that you didn't do the shot. And I don't know if that's fairly common practice and um because yeah it's it's a little bit embarrassing and and your friends don't understand they're like what are you you know what are you injecting into yourself you know
1: but- well, there's also the, the issue of do i want everybody knowing this do i want to let everybody in on the fact that i have turner syndrome what, you know, do I want to have to sit there and explain for the hundred million time why exactly it is I have Turner syndrome and what, what it means, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, it can be really, really difficult to have those kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, for sure. So do you think, uh, I get being diagnosed at 10, which is still pretty young. Do you think that, that, <laughs> that it would have been any different for you had you known any earlier that you had Turner syndrome?
1: Well, the, the nice thing about it is that I understood enough about it to be more cooperative
2: in mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm.
1: When you're three, four, five years old and you're diagnosed, or if you're diagnosed at birth. Right. You know, you will, you do, you, you, there are things that you're going to have to do that you, you're you probably going to carry your kid for a little one. Right. So, how cooperative can you be with the healthcare that you need? You and you know it, and then if you're, you know, like, why do I have to go and get an MRI? That's scary at three or four, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's. I feel for the little ones. I really do. I feel for the little ones that get diagnosed that age because they'll never have a normal like moment in their life where they think I'm just a normal kid. Yeah, Don't always have that in the back of your brain.
0: Yeah, I can definitely, that's a really interesting perspective. I can definitely see how, yeah, I've had, I've interviewed butterflies that have been diagnosed at all different ages, and, and it's interesting to hear their everybody's different perspectives. And um, I've never really heard it quite put that way. And that it does make sense that, you know, 10, you're still young enough where you're not worried about, um, you know necessarily the infertility quite yet you're not a teenager right. yet dealing with ho- you know those hormones and all of that stuff but yet on the other end like right. you're saying you're not three and four and not understanding why you have to go to the doctor every you know x amount of months or weeks or whatever so yeah it's definitely an interesting way to look at it
1: I think it's important you know, for parents who are listening to think about how do we give that sense of normality to the child, right, regardless of the age, so that they don't think of it as something that makes them stick out like a sore thumb, but makes them beautiful, unique, and everything else that anybody else is.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you give to all the butterflies listening right now? What what did what would you like to say to all the butterflies out there?
1: Great question. I think one of the things that you, every person with Turner syndrome has to do for themselves is take care of themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think you have to. You know, it's tempting to be like, "I can't deal with this anymore. I don't want to." Go to another doctor. I don't want to see another stethoscope. I don't want to see another pair of pants coming at me. Mm -hmm. Um, If you do that, if you avoid the checkups, if you avoid taking care of yourself in the way that you really need to do, you're going to deprive yourself of a healthy life.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's best to just, you know, bite the bullet. Do the maintenance and upkeep. Make sure that you're taking care of you. Understand everything that goes on. And, you know, find yourself some really good educated medical people mm-hmm. in your life. Because they can be really hard to come by. <laughs> some of these doctors who don't have a clue yeah. um, what Turner Syndrome is in reality. Um, what it manifests itself as. I, I gone into the doctor's office and and met with an MP who literally had to look it up online before she came into the room. Yeah, And it was like, well, have you had your ears checked? Have you had this checked? And I'm like,
2: Uh, yes, of course. I'm
1: 45. (laughs) I'm 44 years old. Yeah, all these things have been checked out on me multiple times.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm okay on all that. (laughs) You know? It was like, it kind of felt like you can kind of feel like you have to educate all the medical professionals that that you encounter um you know i don't know if you've ever gone to the emergency room but um what you know when you've had issues with your stomach or something like this and they're they're like well we let's get a pregnancy test and you're like you're
0: like trust me i don't need that
1: (laughs) no i was like that's a waste of money Yeah. Multiple times, multiple times, or when you, you know, like you, you're in at liver enzymes, like, and you're like, no, nothing's wrong with my liver. I've gotten an ultrasound multiple times; it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just the way my body runs because of the hormones that I have to take and everything. Mm-hmm. Trust me, and they still force you to go get yet another ultrasound. Yeah. These kind of things happen, but it shouldn't dissuade you from making sure that you're. Getting everything you need medically done, because your family wants you around, you need to be around in this universe. you were born here for a reason. Keep yourself around for a while
0: yes i don't I don't think it can be stated enough times or in enough <clears throat> ways how important health is and and yeah, health is important for everybody, not just you know those affected you know by Turner syndrome, but You know, we just, we're we're all unique, and we all have just those little bit of different things that we need to keep an eye out for, and yeah, it can't be understated how important it is to just take care of your health mentally, physically, just, you know, everything.
1: Mentally is a very important point as well, because there are so many um, psychological difficulties you can go through with a Turner syndrome diagnosis, like as a kid, you know, how do you deal with having to take shots yep. as an adult? How do you deal with the reproductive consequences? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to, you know, you, do, can you be okay with being childless, if necessary,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or most probable, yeah. like, these kind of things all come fold into your state of mind and being able to accept your body, the body that you were born into, is, is incredibly important to that.
0: Definitely. How have you been able to kind of come to grips with the infertility for yourself? I know that's a, a really, really, I know it's kind of a tough question. Um, and I know that's a question yeah. that all Turner Syndrome butterflies, you know, really have to find within themselves. but. How have you been able to kind of come oh. to terms with
1: that? Ah, uh, a great question. I think for me, the things that I've done in my life to kind of come to terms with that are a lot of thought about the fact that I have that choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have the choice to have a child or not have a child, especially at a younger age. I was like, actually in a weird odd way almost a blessing because I don't have to worry about having a child at 18 19 years old and not wondering what how I'm gonna go through college or something like that right so in that sense it was almost a relief at that point mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older knowing that there were still options for being a mother if that was what I chose to be mm-hmm. was the biggest blessing in a lot of ways because you know just because they don't pass through your body doesn't mean they can't be your child
0: absolutely and I say it all the time that there's just there's so many different ways to make a family you know whether it's and it doesn't have to be through blood I mean yes blood is family and I mean I mean I can think of plenty of families who are blood who don't have anything to do with each other you know, and then plenty of families exactly. that are made up of just all kinds of different people, and and it all just works. You know, your family is whatever you make it,
1: and that's. I mean, you need only look at LGBTQ families to mm-hmm. really get a good sense of that as well. Yeah, because there are plenty of loving two dad households two mom households mm-hmm. out there taking care of wonderful children that are going to have wonderful lives because they chose to have children the way they did.
0: Yep, exactly. Absolutely. Well, Renee, I'm going to let you get back to your day. It has been so nice chatting with you quick today. Um, I hope that Oh, it's been my pleasure. <laughs> I know that it's um, just kind of a quick chat today, but I'd really appreciate your time And I really appreciate everybody listening, and I hope that you'll definitely take Renee's advice to heart. You know, make sure you're taking care of your health. Make sure you're taking care of you. And um, with that, I'll wish everybody a great day, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the next episode.